0: Night of the Orchid by Marty Ross. Almost done,
1: Aunt Mary. Almost done. Not much given this. Oh, this this frosty ground. But look, here's the sun at last rising. Look, Aunt Mary. Suddenly, the world, why? Why it looks perfect again, almost. Oh, wow, I could blind you that, that white sun on white snow. White is. Is that tub where I cut my wrist all those months ago? White is the wedding dress they sewed me into when they had me all stitched up. You should have seen me in that dress, Aunt Mary. The perfect suburban princess. Except this princess skipped out in her own happy ending. I sat a long time that evening, staring at myself in the mirror, asking Madeline Loughran who the hell she thought she was. That same question everyone else was asking. My groom that never was, most of all. Finally, Alan came up and asked me directly
2: Madeline? Madeline? You in there? Madeline. So, you haven't eloped with the gypsies after all.
1: They didn't show up.
2: Neither did you.
1: You noticed, huh?
2: You ought to come downstairs. For a wedding reception without a wedding attached, it's turning into quite a decent party. I'm slightly drunk, at least. Which makes for an improvement in everything else that's happened to me today.
1: I'm sorry, Alan, I, I couldn't.
2: Why did I imagine you ever could? With me at least. I know you of old, Madeline Lochran.
1: Nobody knows me. Not even me myself. Except maybe. No, I have to get out of this goddamn ludicrous bridal gown. I have to go.
2: Go where? You're the scandal of the whole bloody suburb.
1: There's a world beyond this place and its prissy decencies. I've been there, and I'm going back now.
2: I won't let you go. Oh, really? No, I'll I'll You'll what? I'll think of something. I'm
1: sorry, Alan. By the time you come up with something, I'll be gone.
2: Madeline I'm
1: sorry, Alan, I'm I've gone already. Gone, I was. First thing the next morning. Away out here, this away. The snowy hills, the grey sea, the village barely changed since my childhood holidays. I walked up here from the station. Those long, white miles of slope and forest, changing me from someone who'd got off the train looking like her own ghost into someone who, by the time she reached your house, your grand old fairy castle of a house, felt suddenly. Shocked alive. The door, all these miles from the commonplace dangers of the world, was open. Hello, I'm Mary, Miss Kate. Hello. I'm here. It's Madeline. Hello? Hello, what? M- miss Kite? <coughs> Hello, is, is anyone? <sighs> miss Kite, there you are. Where else would I be? A vision in a nylon overall. You startled me. Then you're
3: easily startled, Miss Lochran. Not usually, but I've had a stressful couple of days. I can imagine. I was listening for the sound of a taxi. Couldn't find one willing to attempt that hill in the snow. Decided to walk. All that way. You must have been keen to get here. Desperate. I always used to love it at this time of the year. House hasn't changed. Not enough it hasn't. We've closed up most of the place now your great aunt's movements are so restricted. But she insisted I open up your old room. Don't blame me if you find it damp. I always found it cozy. Well, it has been a long time since you were here. Too long. I'm sure that's what your great aunt would say. Shall I show you up? Hasn't been so long that I forget the way. Only... Yes? How is she? She's like the house itself, old and cold and dying slowly. What did you expect? But she will be pleased to see you. I hope so. She's the only person left for me to turn to. Yes, Miss Loughran. I'm sure she must be.
0: Yes. Yes. Rest with me a while. Here. Among the flowers. Rest. And forget. Forget. Oh,
1: oh, 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 Madeline! Uh, yeah, it's just me. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to wake you.
0: Wake me? Oh, I was just dozing by the fire, as I do nowadays. Sounded like you were having a lovely dream. A dream? Yes. Yes, I suppose. Please, please don't tell me this is a dream. Oh, no, I'm here for real, if you'll have me. Have you? Oh, Madeline!
1: How lovely to see you here again. Oh, how lovely to be here. Here with you. After all I've been through recently, this rickety old house of yours. I've always
0: loved it so. It's changed. No, it hasn't. I thought it had. But perhaps that was a dream as well. <laughs> Dreams, Aunt Mary. I wouldn't go trusting those. You must have been through a lot recently. Through the ringer.
1: You can imagine how everybody feels back home. They'd have burned me at the stake if it wasn't for the fact that it would have scorched Dad's precious front lawn and got ash all over Mum's herb garden. And the young man? Alan. What do you think? The last time I saw him, he looked like he'd be the first to strike a match under me. I assumed he loved you. I think he did, in his own way. But his way wasn't any way that meant anything to me. And he's not a man to shrug off a blow to his pride like the one I gave him. You know how I felt about your marriage. Oh, I know, I know. There was everybody else pulling me in one direction and your letters trying to pull me in the other. I didn't know what
0: to do. And I mean, you've never even met Alan. I didn't have to meet him, Madeline. The fact that your parents spoke so highly of him confirmed my worst suspicions. <laughs> You're the one I should have listened to, you wild old thing. Of
1: course I was. Why didn't you? I don't know. I, I wanted to be right, I suppose. Him to be right, right for me. I'd got everything else so wrong for such a long time. I reckoned I was due a change of luck, so I took the gamble. And I did care for him. He did his best to make a decent
0: woman out of me. Some hope. You deserve better, Madeline. You're like me. More than you're like your parents or your grandmother. You always have been. Yeah. I might be better off living like you do here, out of harm's way. No one's ever out of harm's way, Madeline, as my doctor will tell you. Your time's running out, isn't it? Yes. Every day I'm a little worse. But just a little. It's a disease appropriate to an old lady. It takes its time. I pray I'll be long gone before it can work up the energy to cause me the most serious pain. I thought the hospital... I'm sick of hospitals. I'm running out of the time required by all those long, pointless journeys there and back. Mum and Dad suggested, you know, you're moving somewhere a little closer to... I'm not leaving this house. This house, for better or worse, has been my life. I leave this house when I leave that life. Oh, don't go just yet, Aunt Mary. You're all I have. You don't need me, Madeline.
1: You're not a child anymore. I feel like a child. I'm frightened and I'm lonely.
0: You're stronger than you think. Am I?
1: You wouldn't be here otherwise, would you? Well, here I am, anyway. I'd better get changed for dinner. Miss Kite will scowl if I sit down to her mince and potatoes in my travelling clothes. You'd miss her if she wasn't here. Well, it might be interesting to see what not having her around was like. Oh, that's unkind. Oh, of course it is. Forgive me. It's a bitter, twisted individual who just walked in your door.
0: No, it's not.
1: A little wounded, perhaps. But you'll heal. Well, I've a better chance of doing that here than any place else just at the moment. I hope so, Madeline. I truly hope so. After dinner, I I might take a wander around the old place. Well, most of it's closed off now. Oh, I know, but it might be nice to wander all the same. Stir the echoes. There are so many to stir. Thank God for echoes. That's what I say.
0: I'll see you at dinner, Madeline. Don't be careful, Madeline. There are oh, oh, oh. Ah, too many echoes.
1: After dinner, when Miss Kite had steered you off to bed, I wandered the closed-off portions of the ground floor, that treasure trove of mouldering antiques and dust-sheeted furniture. Finally, I found my way to the most secret of my childhood playgrounds, the grand old Victorian glass house your grandfather built on the far end of the house. Just as in my childhood, it lay derelict, half its glass panels broken, its pillars and walkways of wrought iron and its serpentine heating pipes scabbed with rust. The flower beds that once boasted all the exotic flora our family could import thanks to grandiose imperial postings, now dead and frosted over. Except, except that there in the moonlight, I caught sight in the middle of the central bed of a single scrap of withered flower sticking stubbornly up like some half-crumbled skeleton finger. Such a thing as I'd never seen there before. I knelt before it, gently touched it. Ow! Oh, caught me, you thorny little bugger. What? What the... Wait. Wait, is... Is that... Is that someone? Is someone there? Can't see with all these, these shadows moving. Goddamn shadows! Hello? Is is that? What?
4: Who? Who?
3: I thought we had an intruder. So
1: did I. Where is? Where is who? Nobody. Um, nobody, I, I suppose. I, I just thought for a moment. Um, the moonlight went uh, a little crazy, or all, all those clouds up there blowing across it.
3: What are you doing in here? This part of the house is supposed to be closed off, as I think I explained. Yes. Yes, you did, Miss Kite. And the glass house here has always been closed off, for at least as long as you've been coming here. I know. I thought I'd take a peek anyway, for old times' sake. Old times? Didn't you know? I used to sneak
1: in here as a kid.
3: No, I wasn't aware of that.
1: We weren't supposed to be. I used to
3: pinch the spare key from the kitchen when you weren't looking, like I did tonight. I can't imagine what the attraction was. Everything in here has been dead such a long time. But look at it. All these dead trees, what's left of the undergrowth.
1: It's like a petrified forest. Just the place for a little girl with a taste for the mysterious to indulge her fantasies. In summer, with the sun streaming down through the roof, I used to strip off, sunbathe, play the private little games which adolescents play. You know the sort of thing. Or maybe not. I'm sorry if I shock you, Miss Kite. Quite intentional, of course.
3: I'm not shocked, Miss Lochran. I was simply remembering how one of the girls who used to work for me in the kitchen came to the conclusion there was a ghost in here. What? She'd glimpsed something in passing. Mind you, she was Irish and therefore inclined to believe any old nonsense. But all the same, one can't help wondering. If this place is haunted, then perhaps your private little games weren't as private as you thought. W- haunted? Haunted by what? Or who? I wouldn't have thought a modern young miss like yourself would have believed such rubbish. Well, I don't. But I-, I thought I saw... So what?
1: Just for a second. Over there, I... Uh... Nothing, I suppose.
3: Nothing, I'm sure. I apologise in advance if a few dusty shadows, and my teasing should make your first night back under our roof a restless one.
1: (laughs) The thought of you with humour enough for teasing me, Miss Kite. That really would startle one awake. Besides, in my experience, it tends to be the restless nights that are all the fun. Good night. Wait! What? Ow! Let go! You've cut your hand. Oh, uh, yeah, uh on what's left of that flower over there.
3: The flower? I've never noticed it before. Have you? You'd better let me wash that cut. There's no telling what might infect you in a place like this.
1: Such as what? Dutch elm disease. After all I've been through recently, I reckon I could survive even that. Now let go! I'll
3: wash it myself. Miss Lockrin. Miss Kite. I wouldn't advise you to come in here again. This place is dead, long dead. Let it rest. In future, I'll keep the spare key where it can't be stolen, so as not to lead you into temptation. The lock's rusted, the wood's rotten. <laughs> a good push would snap the door right open. Perhaps, but it's a push I wouldn't recommend you make. Good night, Miss Loughran. I trust you won't outstay your welcome.
1: I'll stay as long as my aunt wants me.
3: The trouble is, Miss Lochran, things have a tendency to stay around here altogether too long.
0: Far enough. Yes. I just wanted a taste of the air, a glimpse of the garden. Even the weeds look lovely under all this snow. The wheelchair is a break. You see? Oh, got it. Agnes never seems to find the time to take me outside. I sometimes feel like I'm going to suffocate with the mustiness in there, the dust and decay. But who is this old girl to complain
1: about decay? Nonsense. Do you have the heart and soul of a 13-year-old? 13?
0: (laughs) I'm afraid all too many times over. I won't let you
1: die. Oh, no? Absolutely not. If you start to fade, I'll hook you up to a wire and plug you into the TV socket, charge you up for another 20 years.
0: (laughs) A charming thought. Until one envisions the electricity bill. Now. Any thoughts about getting in touch with your parents? Of course not. I just got away from their dirty looks and stony silences. You could write them an old-fashioned letter. Explain how you feel, why you did what you did. I'm not sure I know the
1: answer to that myself. I mean, not just yet, anyway. So what are you going to do with yourself in the meantime? Why should I do anything? Why can't I just stay here and make myself at home? Walk in the woods, climb the hills, roam the cliffs
0: rolled gracefully. That would be the height of defeatism. It's been good enough for you. No, it hasn't, Madeline. I simply didn't have your
1: alternatives. You must have had some reason to live your whole life out here in the wilds. Gran always used to say you were the sister expected to run off to Bohemia and live the high life.
0: I always was afraid of heights. Not in the mood for a straight hand, sir, huh? I've lived this way, Madeline, because it's the only way it ever seemed possible for me to live. The more conventional alternatives seem to have been ruled out at a very early stage. It hasn't been such a bad life, compared to some. That's still not a straight answer. It isn't, I confess.
1: You've always cared for me so much, you've given me so much love the only thing you've ever kept from me is the truth about yourself. I I hardly know anything about any part of your life I wasn't present at. Like
0: all of us, Madeline, I have my secrets. Things in my life I'm not proud of. If I keep them to myself, it's because they're more easily forgotten that way. Are they? You didn't ask me questions like this when you were a girl. No, I just accepted things the way they were. Lost the knack as I grew up. Don't worry about me, Madeline. My mundane little tragedies are a long way behind me now. I'm sorry, Aunt Mary.
1: I suppose with my own life in such a mess, I'm sniffing out the mess in other people's lives so I won't feel quite so alone. You're not alone. I am alone. So alone. Just another ghost in this haunted house of yours. Haunted? Hmm? Hm? um, Miss Kite came up with some old crap about a ghost in the glass house. I think she was trying to give me a sleepless night. I and mean, she needn't have bothered. My cooking was enough to do the trick. What kind of ghost? Oh, I don't know. Something some kitchen maid glimpsed in days of yore. I think the old bag was making it up as she went along, scaring me off from going in there.
0: There are no ghosts here, Madeline.
1: Of course not. Only... Yes? Last night, just for a moment... In the moonlight. What? Nothing, just shadows. Moonlight's notorious for them.
0: (laughs) And what made her mention the glass house specifically?
1: Well, that's where I was, in the glass house. Get my fingers cut. See, elastoplast to the rescue.
0: I thought she kept the glass house locked. She does. I stole the key. Why? For the hell of it. Why not? Where is the key
1: now? Oh, she took it back. Said she'd keep it where I couldn't get at it. <laughs> you think I was a kid?
0: Of course you're not. Not anymore.
3: Are you trying to kill her? What? The cold. It's not so very. It's cold and getting colder. I'll take you inside.
0: It's all right, Agnes. Madeline will. She's left you out too long already. No, she's quite right. No use to anybody, Emma. Wait, Madeline. We can talk more inside. Self-pity
1: shouldn't be indulged. I'll see you later.
0: I think I'll be early to bed tonight, Agnes. In for a bad night, are we? I think so, yes. You're right. It is getting cold. Right here in my bones. She was in the glass house last night. She told me. Oh, yes. I trust you'll keep the key in a safer place in future. That won't keep
3: her out if she's a mind to get in. Why should she want to? Didn't he always have it in him to tempt a young lady into trouble? That's a damn cruel thing to say. Yes, of course it is. I'm sorry. I'll get you inside.
1: That night, more snow drifted down outside. I lay half awake, half dreaming, half remembering that figure glimpsed amid the flittings of moonlight in the glass house the night before. A man it was tall young man, something like a soldier's greatcoat loose about a white shirt, black trousers, black boots, his hair black too. A great, rich mess of it. His face so fierce for the sight of me, my skin had tingled beneath my clothes. And my skin tingled then, remembering, until the bed couldn't hold me anymore. I rose pulled a sweater over my nightgown, protection against the chill of the house, crept down through the ruin of the old ballroom until I reached the door of the glasshouse. Miss Kite, of course, had locked it. But that cold fire set burning in me by the memory of him was all the key I needed. Open, you damn busty old... Inside, all was still. Snowy moonlight shining down through the broken panels above, illuminating that central bed of earth where... Was it true? That withered old scrap of flower seemed taller, stronger, touched with colour. I knelt before it. Was that a fresh petal budding? Yes, a single lilac petal. I caressed it. It felt soft, alive and then his shadow fell across me. What?
4: Don't worry, it's only me.
1: Well, who the hell are you?
4: What do I look like? One more wilting flower in this ruin of a garden?
1: I'd like to know what you're doing here.
4: Doing? Why, looking at you, naturally.
1: I can see that. Oh, I
4: could do more than look. What? Not for example, I could Stroke the soft, plush cheek of you. Don't, don't, can't, can't. You see? Take my hand. Now. Now, goddammit, it, my hand. Take it.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh...
4: Straight through. See? Like I wasn't even here.
1: Are you here?
4: How could I be anywhere else? Nothing can live here. Not for long. Not now.
1: The flower there. Looks like it's found its second wind.
4: The satyr's kiss? The what? The orchid there.
1: Orchid? I, I cut my finger on it. I didn't think orchids had thorns.
4: That's a very rare variety. Named in the account of the old story.
1: What story?
4: But orchids growing from a satyr's grave. You do know what a satyr is? Vaguely. Classical educations are out of fashion, I don't doubt. That other own story, about blood giving solid form back to the spirits in Hades. Heard of that one?
1: Not recently. Yet
4: yeah, you shed blood in that flower last night, and now look at it. Maybe that's the secret. A chap couldn't ask you a tiny favor, could he?
1: He could ask.
4: Take hold of it again. Cut yourself deeper.
1: Why would I want to do that?
4: Because I would be uncommonly grateful.
1: Of this, damn the elastoplasts, it's in no mood to come off.
4: Use your teeth then. They're such pretty sharp teeth. Ow, ow, oh, there. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> it's bleeding already. Yeah. And take hold of the orchid by the stalk. Yes, those so exquisitely concealed little thorns.
1: Yeah, exquisite, sort of. Oh. Ow! Oh, there! Oh. <coughs> ow! That's what I call a cut.
4: Your hand, mm. take mine, quick.
1: But I thought... Take
4: my hand. There.
1: there. Finally, I can feel you.
4: And oh, the feeling, hallelujah, is mutual, my dear Madeline. It is Madeline, is it not?
1: How do you know my name?
4: I know you've owned, little girl. Ah, uh, the times in bygone days when I've hovered in the shadows hereabouts watching you play your little girlish games. Games? Charming games. What torment I suffered in not being able to reach out and join in. Not like I can reach out now. Reach out and touch. Hey, what? Oh, come, you didn't take the trouble to restore me to physical existence simply in order to play the shy maiden. I
1: don't... I don't understand.
4: No? Well, let's just say I was lost, but now I'm found. And i found you into the bargain.
1: Hey, you watch it with those wandering hands!
4: You don't begrudge me the chance to savour these newly gained senses of mine. These hands have had so little chance to wander in the last... Oh... Ever such a long while.
1: Well, can't they wander somewhere else than all over me?
4: Everything else here is dead and hard and frozen. Well, you... Why, you're as soft and warm as they come. What about you? Me? Are you... Dead? Well, that's something of a moot point. I am, or rather was, or... Perhaps, still maybe. Although we're in an area where accurate nomenclature becomes a tad difficult. A ghost. A ghost? For want of a better word. L-
1: the ghost of who?
4: Whom? Hardly matters, surely?
1: Well, it matters to me, ever so slightly, whose ghost is stroking my goosebumps here in the dead of night.
4: I've goosebumps, we? Oh, yes, so you do. Perhaps if I press a little closer...
1: Yeah, that's I- close enough.
4: You're not uncomfortable, I trust.
1: (laughs) Uncomfortable enough to...
4: To what? Bruise my feelings?
1: Why not? Bruise them hard, and then...
4: What? Run? Yeah. Run where? Back to safety? Where else? Off you go, then. What? I have enough bruises. Bruises and worse. To be going on with. Be my guest. Off you go.
1: I'm not your guest. And I say where I go. Which is where? Nowhere. Not just at the moment?
4: Not wholly repulsed by my company, perhaps?
1: No. Not wholly. That's more than half the problem.
4: I don't see any problem here at all. In fact, my bet would be there's nothing here to hinder you and I from anything.
1: Anything as in what?
4: Anything from a kiss. Hey! To the kiss of
1: death? (laughs) Pretty fresh,
4: aren't you? Fresh as a daisy. Thanks for noticing. I don't look so cross. It just makes you even more attractive, and I'm tremulous already over how attractive you are. Take that off.
1: Take what off?
4: An old woolen sweater of that elegant nightgown.
1: It's keeping me warm in the depths of winter.
4: My depths are warm. You'll find them positively cosy.
1: I'll bet.
4: That thing just obscures the lines, as they would say in Paris.
1: (laughs) Oh, really? You divide your time, I suppose, between this drafty old glasshouse and the international catwalks?
4: I certainly haven't always been stuck in this glass house. Oh, no? You're looking at a man, my dear, who's walked some way in the world.
1: (laughs) You don't say.
4: And seen much there that was ugly and haunts me still. Some beauty, also. Often in the unlikeliest places. But nothing strikes me just at this moment as having been half so beautiful as you.
1: (laughs) Gee, thanks, dear.
4: Like I say... You'll be even more beautiful with this ugly, owned sweater off.
1: And like I say... Here,
4: let me help you. Well,
1: get off! <laughs> Jesus, I mean, what kind of behaviour is this for a ghost? Why aren't you off clanking a chain somewhere?
4: Except I'm not a ghost. But, But you said... Not anymore. You made me real. Solid flesh. Solid enough to touch you like this... Fleshy enough to kiss you, like... Ow.
1: <coughs> Real enough to take a slap like that. Oh,
4: my God, what an arousing woman you are.
1: Oh, I see. Enjoy playing it rough, do you?
4: I'd enjoy keeping up with you, certainly, where roughness is concerned.
1: <laughs> I could kick you in your suddenly substantial balls. That may really give you a thrill.
4: You could show myself in the moon the splendours beneath a stubborn old sweater. Then we both of us might be in for a thrill.
1: Get your hands...
4: <laughs>
1: off. You really don't take a hint, do you?
4: I do take them, Madeline. I can't resist the glint of comb fire in a woman's eyes, the hints of her body beneath her clothes. I am completely at the mercy of the hints a woman gives.
1: Oh, you poor thing. You must have had the ladies cradling you like a baby back in your day, whenever that was. When was it, by the way?
4: Who cares? I always make a habit of living in the present moment for the present moment's sake. Letting all of our moments be nor to come brave hell as best they can. Try it. You'll find it an eminently workable philosophy. What are we ever alive in but the moment at hand?
1: I get your point. There. Sweater off. What do you think? Was I worth coming back from the dead for?
4: Oh, my radiant Madeline. You'd be worth storming heaven for.
1: Well, you don't strike me as heaven sort of person.
4: <laughs> Quite. I've always looked for my heaven further down. Are you naked under there?
1: <laughs> under my nightie? What kind of girl do you take me for? I'm wearing pants. Oh, yeah? White. A little lace at the edges. Indeed. From marks and sparks, where are the queen shops?
4: I'll just bet they smell of you. Fragrant as a flower. As an orchid. Take them off.
1: I notice I'm being asked to do all the taking off.
4: You sense an injustice. Heaven forbid we should suffer one of those under this roof. Here. The moonlight's clothing enough?
1: Standing over me as I lay across the orchid bed, he sloughed off those fusty old clothes like a layer of dust he was brushing aside. Naked, he was a white colt reared on its hind legs, sinewy, Strong. Magnificent. He plunged my way, reached up beneath my nightgown, tore my underwear away so abruptly the lace waistband ripped. Then he was after the nightgown itself. I stopped him. Oh, get your hands off, buster.
4: It's a little late for either of us to turn shy.
1: Who said anything about turning shy? Get back there a little. I want you to see this properly. You and the Moon.
4: The Moon and I are all attention.
1: So I stood over him, stripped off that silly nightgown. He looked at me reverently for a second, then seized me like a beast, dragged me across the orchid bed, drove warmth through me, warmth like a shaft of spring sun cutting winter dead.
4: Oh, Madeline, the hot life won't stir in here.
1: So shut up and get stirring. Uh, huh. oh. uh. Uh. Fucking a ghost. And there was me thinking my life had come to a complete dead end. Uh. Oh. 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 Mm. 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 It must have been round about then, Aunt Mary, that you suffered that attack, bringing Miss Kite running to your bedroom.
0: Oh!
3: What on earth? It's
0: him. I saw him. What? Who? Who? Him.
3: Him? Nonsense. Where? Where did you see him? In my dream. What? Dream? Honestly? He was
0: there, Agnes, like a hungry cat, loose in my head.
3: Like a bad dream and nothing more. And now I'm the one who has to clean you up. Look at yourself. You're old and sick and shouldn't be out of bed. You're lucky your legs didn't snap under you.
0: I could have sworn, Agnes. I could have sworn he was there, stepping out of the dream. I tasted him in the air, smelt him like an... Orchid! Like one of those damned orchids!
3: You had a bad dream. No more than that. I'll get you cleaned up, get you back to bed. You can take a couple more painkillers.
0: Some pain can't be killed so
3: easily. It can all be killed, one way or another, if you're firm enough.
0: No, it can't. Not all of it. We both know that. Do we? Inside our heads, Agnes. That's the one place we could never banish him from. When I think of all I involved you in, of the price you've had to pay ever since, locked up here
3: with me. I did what I did of my own free will. I paid the price in the same spirit. But suppose we haven't begun to pay. You're getting morbid in your old age. Come, I'll run you a bath.
1: Are you really... Sleep, curled warm and naked in my arms like a baby, my own private solid ghost, (laughs) what a boy you look, innocent as a fox in its burrow, when I woke up, I thought I'd find you gone just a dream, but here you still are, lost in a dream of your own.
4: The fire. What's that? Flame, solid, flesh liquid, bones bleed through, eyes oozing down the street, the broken spine of the street.
1: Wait, wait, what's that?
4: My teeth tight in you. Your jellied gut. Don't weep, don't cry, hero am I. Worse than any. Any mangy dog starving in the slaughterhouse. Any red-muzzled winter wolf gnawing through your flame-stripped hide. Your hot, hot dreams... Wake
1: up. Wake up, something's... I I can hear... Listen!
4: I dream of you. Of you. Of hiding deep in the red, red gut, the bomb-split barrel of... You. Yes,
1: yeah, who else?
4: Who else indeed? I heard... What?
1: Sounds. Terrible sounds. Just a dream. I was awake when I heard them.
4: Just my dream. You're... That's the trouble with those ghosts. We are haunted by even more ghosts than the living. Dragged them with us everywhere, ghost, dragging ghost, dragging, ghost. My ghosts, my dreams, have been trapped with me in this so cold, hot house for so long that we've become a little bearish. Overgrown, like the plants that once filled this place. But dreams are all they are. Nothing that can hurt either of us, not now. How are you?
1: A little ache here and there.
4: And do apologise. My reunion with womanly flesh was a long overdue. I perhaps got a teeny bit carried away. But then so did you.
1: You damn well bet I did.
4: Aren't we a pair?
1: Aren't we just?
4: What could have dragged me back to life, But that hot life in you?
1: Still, I'll have the odd bruise for a day or two. You'll have worse. What's this here?
4: A bite you put it there. Sorry. Don't be. What a bite but a kiss you really mean.
1: And this? This? A scar? A
4: graze, nothing more. A graze? From a bullet. Owned war wound.
1: You were in a war? Long time ago. How long? Wh- which war?
4: I suspect they all look the same when one is close enough to get grazed by a bullet.
1: Those sounds I heard, sounds of war?
4: Bad dreams. Toned told you. Nothing more.
1: Oh, you poor bastard. It must have been horrible.
4: Actually, no. Not after one has acquired the eyes to see the beauty in it.
1: How could you see anything beautiful in that? I'll show you how. You're going to show me around a battlefield?
4: Our nakedness here. That's your battlefield.
1: But you didn't die in a battlefield, did you? Ghost as you are, it's here you've been haunting, which means it's here you must have- Quiet. Hey, now you really are hurting me. A
4: man can be excused making a sore spot of his own death.
1: Doesn't How excuse you giving me sore spots while you're at it?
4: Oh, but haven't we already established a sore spot of one kind or another as the greatest gift a lover can grant? It's the pain that proves the passion's worth. I am passionate for you, Madeline, passionate enough to burn my past to ash and scatter it into the breeze.
1: What the hell? Maybe there's even space for my past on top of that bonfire.
4: No, oh, my Madeline. The blaze will lighten this combed mausoleum. Listen.
1: That's those sounds again.
4: No, it isn't. Listen. It's the place itself coming back to life. All the dead earth, the skeleton bushes, the seeds buried alive for so long. We'll see this place bud and bloom and flourish, growing dense and rank and lush. And we'll drink ourselves drunk on the smell of sap and sweat and cum and sweet, sweet scent of the orchid. Look at it. The flower, it's coming back to life, you see. Blossoming in all its fleshy colors, its lush petals and jagged edges.
1: It's a miracle.
4: The beginning of a miracle. A flag unfurling for the warriors will be.
1: Warriors?
4: Passion's warriors, crushing every barrier between us, sharing pain as surely as pleasure, darkness as well as light, hate as much as love. Twining all of these things, blossom and thorn, in a single terrible beauty. If you only have the courage, have you?
1: Right now I'm inclined to give it a try. But when I woke the next morning, he was gone, leaving me naked and chilled and alone. I struggled back into my nightgown and sweater just in time to avoid the horn-rimmed gaze of Miss Kite as she advanced through the door
3: I had broken. I suspected I might find you here. Well, I, I, was, I was just... Just what? Taking a walk around. You must have been walking around quite a while to still be in your nightclothes this late in the day. Well, how late is it? Past noon. We've had the search parties out for you. Search parties? Well, your aunt badgered me to search at any rate, when she finally woke up. She had a bad night. Bad? Nightmares. What sort of nightmares? Induced by her condition, no doubt. And perhaps also by all the worrying she's done about you these last few weeks. Nothing more? Aren't you and a fatal illness enough to worry about, Miss Lochran? I've given her a couple of sleeping pills. She ought to sleep until later in the afternoon. I'll pop up and see her later. I don't want you stressing her any more than she's been stressed already. I
1: won't stress her. She doesn't get much chance to see a friendly
3: face at her bedside. Not with you looking after her. Who's cared for her more than me? You've been wrecking the place, I see. Wrecking? You broke the lock. Oh, it didn't take much breaking. I suspected it might not. It met with a sufficiently stubborn vandal. Oh, there's nothing
1: here I need keeping apart from. Oh, no? Unless there's something you're not telling me. Something I'd be
3: better off knowing. Miss Loughran, you'd be better off... Go- what have you been doing here? I haven't been doing anything. I told you, just... This place is supposed to be dead. Dead and rotting. <sighs> it doesn't look like Kew Gardens to me. There! Look! The orchid! Oh, that. What do you know about this? <sighs> but as much as you do. It was dead. Everything in here was dead. Good and dead. Now, how does it come to be alive like that? I don't know. Magic. I know the kind of magic you've been up to. Miss Kite, you couldn't imagine the magic I've been up. Hey! You stinking, filthy, <sighs> strumpet whore! What have you been doing here? Get your hands off me, you It's him, isn't it? Isn't it? Where is he? Where is he? I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, yes, you do. You dirty young slut with your dirty little mind. But do you truly realise what you've done? Of course not. You were thinking with that filthy thing between your legs. Do you know the danger we're in? The danger your aunt's in. Do you know the devil you've roused? The beast you've set free? No. An irreligious little tart like you wouldn't have the wits. Well, if nothing else, what follows will be an education for you. If the bloody flower bothers you so much, why don't you just tear it up? I'm afraid it's much too late for that. I have to get your aunt out of here. Wake up. Mary, wake up, woman. What? Agnes? We have to go. Get up. Quick, out of bed. Up, go? Yes, go. Today, now. Go? Go where? It doesn't matter, but we have to go. I'd appreciate some help with packing a case. I don't understand. What's wrong? It's him. What? He's back. Him? Him. Oh, God. She set him free, that dirty-minded grand of yours. She set him free. My dream? Agnes, you said it was a dream. I didn't imagine, not for a moment. I didn't think he could ever come back, but I just found her. In the glass house. And in the centre of one of the flower beds, that flowerbed, a fresh orchid. Oh, he always had such a sense of the theatrical. That was the least of his vices. So you see, we have to go far from here. It's me he'll want, not you. If you left me here, took care of yourself, he might be content. Him? Content? When did he ever compromise in his
0: cruelties? Still, if you got far enough... Fast enough. I'm not leaving you here and that's that. You care for me so much, you'd cast yourself between me and his anger?
3: It would hardly be the first time, would it?
0: No, Agnes. Of course it wouldn't.
3: Here, let me dress you. He'll be after me as surely as he'll be after you. I'll gain nothing by leaving you behind. Taking you with me. We both of us might have some kind of chance. Who knows? Perhaps he's ghost enough to be confined to one house. And besides... We escaped him once before. Years ago, when we were young and strong. I know there's fighting me still. Fight enough to fight for you. Oh, Agnes, what terrible thing did I involve you in? What's done is done. What I did, I did because I cared for you, and I still care. It's that wretched grandniece of yours I care for, not a jot.
0: Agnes! It's her own
3: fault. The fault of her
0: own selfish lusts. How do you know what she's done? It's
3: not hard to guess, is it?
0: Then you're in more of a position to point an accusing finger than I am.
3: Spare me the raking of those old coals. I'll finish getting you dressed, then phone the village for a taxi. I just hope it can get up the hill in all this snow. There's still time to get a train somewhere, anywhere away from here. And what about Madeline? Huh? She can stay here with him and rot in whatever hell he's out to raise. Come on, into the wheelchair. Come on! Come on! Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Loud and clear, Miss Kite. Is there a problem? What are you doing here? In the kitchen. I woke a little hungry, where else would I go? Call it brunch. In the scale of things, I suppose it's one of your less dangerous
1: appetites. If my appetites are the problem, Miss Kite, I'd appreciate hearing what you think that
3: problem is. Perhaps I'd prefer to leave you behind to find out for yourself. Leave me behind? You're going somewhere. Yes, as soon as we can get a taxi here. We? I'm taking your aunt, obviously. Taking her where? Anywhere. Away from here. Away from him. Him? Don't pretend you don't know exactly who I mean. Well, maybe I do. What I don't know is why you're so frightened of him. Ask your aunt. She could tell you. In the most terrible detail. Except she doesn't have the time right now. We neither of us do. Oh, this wretched phone! Same every time a little snow blows around. Do you, do you have that mobile thing of yours? Yeah, if
1: you can get a signal on it all the way out here.
3: You really are the Wicked Witch of the West. Amusing as always. If only I had the time to laugh. Perhaps, perhaps we could walk to the village. In this weather... With her in a wheelchair? You must be crazy. Crazy? No, Miss Loughran, I'm not crazy. I'm not the one mad enough to part her pretty little legs for the devil himself. Oh, it wasn't that bad. He even let me
1: go on top a couple of times.
3: You foul-mouthed, foul-minded little slut! Does this mean I don't get your vote for Daily Mail Woman of the Year? Laugh on. Laugh yourself all the way down into the pit. No prayer of mine will waste itself on you.
1: You've always hated me, haven't you?
3: Noticed, have you? I mean... This is just it coming to
1: a particularly poisonous head, but it's always been there, going right back to when I was a kid coming
3: here in the holidays. I, d- I just wonder why. It would be lovely to spend what's left of a winter afternoon listing precisely my reasons for resenting your influence here, but right no, I have to try and get some answer. Out of this wretched phone. Miss Kite? Miss Kate, are
1: you okay? Plainly. Here, here, sit down. The kitchen table. (coughs) And the. Drawer. Here, there. What? What?
3: Medicine tablets? What? Cigarettes. (coughs) My cigarettes. Quick. These. Give them here. (coughs) Miss Kite, I really don't think you ought to be. Nonsense. (coughs) They're the only things keeping me alive. The lighter. (coughs) Too quick. Oh, that's better. I really think I ought to... You know why I despise you. What? Astonish me. It shouldn't be so hard to understand. After all, I've been here since I was a child, waiting on your great aunt. Idolising her, let me confess, on the quiet. Ten years older than me, she is. I like to imagine her as my... What? My older sister, perhaps? Or more than that, even. But she was a young lady. And what was I? The daughter of her scullery maid. And no matter how close we become, that hard reality has always haunted any intimacy between us. It's different for you. You're one of the family, entitled as a birthright to our fullest affections. You, a rebellious child and an actively shameless adult who abandoned our one chance at a decent life to come here and submit to his temptations. Oh, back to that, Orby. I'm going. I know your tight, Miss Loughran. Know it by its stench. I'm going, you hear? You can ban at the toaster instead. That stench of soilings and bleedings such as the likes of myself are forever condemned to be cleaning up after. Going, you devil. Your pleasure's my, my torment. Do you understand, do you? How I despise you for having what you don't deserve. No one ever offered me, you see, those foul and callous freedoms. No, no, I was raised the way folk were in my particular cold and remote place and time, a place hiding from the modern world, even when I was young clinging with frozen fingertips to the old, decent codes, that demands that one lead a respectable life, that one honor society's natural divisions, that one live in a terror of a, oh, such an intolerant god. And if from time to time I had feelings, feelings for your aunt that could not be accommodated within the tight confines of my faith and self-discipline, then those feelings, had to be shut away, buried alive, left to scratch and scream and slowly suffocate. Poisonous weeds grow on an unsanctified grave. I am choked. I am choked with weeds and filled with poison. If I could have admitted my feelings just once, I might have been saved, albeit in the coarsest, most godless manner. But I never had the nerve and of course it's too late now. Here, Miss Lockton, I confess my sins like a papist rattling her beads. I could have been a slut vile as you, given half a chance. But my time is gone.
4: Gone indeed, Agnes. What? I don't want to have fucked you anyway. You bored the girl out of here five minutes ago. I'm your sole audience now. Oh god! That's it, Agnes. Pray to your Puritan Jehovah. But be honest. Concede your own sin against me. For who in this house ever suffered more unjust treatment than I? Why, you monstrous, self-pitying child! Quiet. I will say one positive thing for you. You have kept these knives nicely polished. But then, if nothing else, you always wear a useful skivvy. I am so much more than... Oh, but of course you are, Agnes. You're a flower. Waiting to be opened? (sighs) I'll open you now.
0: Agnes? Agnes? Are you there? Agnes? Oh, dear Lord. Agnes? Is that... No. No! No! No!
1: No! What? Madeline! None other. Where's Agnes? Last seen down in the kitchen, curing her angina with a pack of regal cigarettes. She was trying to phone for a taxi. She told you about that? She then suggested if she couldn't get a taxi, she'd sit you in that wheelchair and wheel you through four miles of snow. I'd suggest she's not in the most level-headed frame of mind. No. No, she's not. The question in my mind is why. What are you running from? Agnes led me to believe you knew already. You told me there were no ghosts in this house. I did, didn't I? Well, last night, I made the acquaintance of one in the glass house. So I hear. Except he's not a ghost anymore, or or nothing, certainly, you could put a hand through. Solid enough to... well, solid as they come. The question I need answering right now, Aunt Mary, is who is he and why has he been haunting this particular house? Oh, Madeline, how
0: can I begin telling you that? Well, I suggest you make a start. I will tell you, Madeline, somehow. But right now, we have other priorities. I'm concerned about Agnes. We need to get hold of her before he does. Why? Why? What is he likely to do? God help any of us if he should get the chance to do it. Okay, okay, I'll go
1: and look for her. Hopefully, she's still in the kitchen. Stay here. Lock that door, and don't open it until you're damn certain it's me on the other side. If she's not
0: in the kitchen, then the next place to look will be the its... glass house, I know.
1: <laughs> Miss Kate? Agnes? Are you in there? Miss... My... God. God? What?
4: You see how my garden grows. It's something richer than silver bells and cockle shells, pretty maid was involved. Except, old maid might be close to the mark.
1: But it was all... all of it. Dead? The colours, the, the scents, the flowers, the bushes, the, the trees, the, the fruits on the trees, the leaves. All so...
4: Yes, Madeline. All so alive, suddenly. Burning, blazing with life. Just like me. colors. Hot your eyes, do they?
1: That color there, and, and there, and, and there. The red, you mean? Yes. Yes. The, the... What have you done? With Miss Kate, what have you done?
4: Well, there she is. Look spiked on top of that bamboo pole. A bit of her, at least. There's another bit here and uh, there. A few more bits hung high in a palm tree, dripping, you see. Even a grey old stick-like hard, a wealth of lush fruits inside. Red, purple, pink. Good of death.
1: What have you done?
4: Fed and watered this old place. Look at it, devout Bible-thumper that she was. She gave her life to return paradise to this fallen earth.
1: Paradise? It stinks like a slaughterhouse. It's a rich
4: fragrance and it takes a little getting used to. But we have time in our hands. Oh, don't look like that. You hated the Puritan hag as surely as well, I did. I didn't
1: want this for her.
4: Oh, Madeline, you're bringing a damp draught of bourgeois timidity into my lovely hothouse garden. If you can't cast aside these timid repressions, will we ever get anywhere. Where the hell do you see us going? At least as far as common sense, if there's some deal weed out to choke the life from one's garden, one ought to feel free to uproot well, it. Well, she was
1: a human being! I mean, you can't just...
4: Why not? Even that Presbyterian god she was praying to as I cut her wide open could be arsed to intervene. Our desires, as I told you, now roam this place uncontested. Oh, there is, of course, the angelic cripple upstairs, but, well, she's not going to be here much longer either, so why not enjoy the freedom I offer? Why not indulge yourself? What we have here is our own private wonderland. Within it, there is no limit to the games we can play. Games? Be a sport. Haven't you ever dreamed of freeing the beast in yourself, finding it a jungle to bloody its muslin? Well,
1: James... Dreams are one thing.
4: Life in this house now is a dream. My dream. Look at those flowers. Look closer. Peonies the colour of burning cities. Roses with rusted razor blades for petals. Bushes patterned like sacks of shaved off hair. Trees like solid fire shot from the skies. Dangling fruit like bayoneted eyeballs. Miss Kite's sensible shoe with the fat snails fornicating inside. You can share this dream with me, Madeline.
1: No. No, get back.
4: Oh, you came forearmed, I see. I bet I did. Agnes certainly kept those knives of hers nice and sharp. Sharp enough. I have one of them, too. Right here. Slip. And look. Mine's even bigger.
1: I, I just, I just want.
4: You don't know what you want. Not right at the moment.
1: Well, I don't.
4: Do you? It's all right. I know how you feel. You're a nice, well-brought-up young lady, and that nice, well-brought-up part of you isn't sure about this wicked fellow at all. It acknowledges, aren't I correct, the appeal of the freedoms he offers. But surely, it says, one can't do such things. There is another part of you, a deeper, more honest part that has no doubts in the matter. It fairly aches to run savage in my jungle and for the proverbial hell of it. I know you, Madeline. I felt your teeth in my skin. Doesn't it make sense to listen to the part of you that knows what it wants?
1: I never in my life wanted to do anything bad, not, not for badness sake.
4: What, what is bad? Bad is what you never wanted to do. and you want what I offer. You want to cast off your winter deadness and come alive with me, don't you? Oh
1: God,
4: don't you? Uh, I, uh, Well, Perhaps you'd prefer to use that knife, yeah. I'll throw mine away. There you go. My manly chest is bare. I'm not even supposed to be alive. You'd almost certainly get away with it. I... Go on. Stab deep. See the pretty flowers growing in there. No. No, I... No. No. I've seen no scars in your arm.
1: No. No, get off.
4: There goes the knife. Never mind. Let's get this top off you.
0: No. No.
4: There we are. Yes, let's see. When you're out for the blood, it's your own flesh you're in the habit of cutting. Why?
1: Why? Because, why? Because i Why, Madeline? Because I'm stuffed so full of, of so much dull, grey pain and... and sometimes I know I'll just suffocate under it, unless... unless... Go on. Unless I... I scream it clear of me. Screw it with my blood breaking the blank world into bright colours drowning in them, feeling red heat panic at last into my cold, cold heart.
4: There's better ways to be alive than killing yourself, Madeline.
1: Oh, yeah? So you tell me, you murdering bastard. This
4: ghost is telling you to stop dying and start living, to be unafraid, to make your own living hell and heaven here with me and a whole other hell with anyone else's. And
1: who in the hell are you?
4: I told you. I was here watching you all those years ago when you played your girlish games. You remember that last time you felt wholly alive? At the moments when the life in you felt full to bursting, you sensed, didn't you, a shadow nearby amid the dead leaves, the rotted bark, the the rusted metal. A shadowy something, dead yet aching to be alive, knowing you and longing for you like nothing else in the world. That essence of the place, it killed you. At the end of every visit, to walk away from. You... I was always here, aching for this moment. The moment when you'd be woman enough to embrace the man in me, dead or alive. The rest of the world does not matter.
1: Kiss me, wound me, heal me, kill everything dead, and bring me to life.
4: My pleasure.
2: Hello? Madeline? Hello? Jesus. Oh. Hello? Madeline? Hello? Anyone there? Hello? Hello there. Anyone there? Anyone here? Madeline. Madeline.
1: I heard him enter, but did nothing about answering. I had lain in that bath a long time. The water had gone cold about me, leaving me feeling as if I floated there like one more wintry ghost. I listened as he climbed the stairs, searching the first couple of rooms he came to, the bathroom itself the next in line.
2: Matt! Sorry, I... Oh. What the bloody hell am I sorry for? Alan... That's right. The husband that wasn't. How's things? Oh, you needn't shrivel up like that. It's hardly the first time I've seen you in the buff. And you were hardly the sort to be shy about it.
1: No. Pass me the towel, would you?
2: Whatever you say, my lady. Of course. If all had gone according to plan, I would right now be enjoying a whole world of conjugal rights as far as that bod's concerned. You won't begrudge me, I'm sure. One last look at all that's been denied me. Oh, fuck off. I'm still looking.
1: What are you doing here? I mean, other than playing with yourself through a hole in your pocket.
2: I get sick of just sitting at home thinking what I think of you. I thought I'd come here and tell you what I think.
1: You've given me a strong enough hint of that already.
2: A hint's not enough. I want to shout it in your face through a bloody megaphone. (laughs) I
1: know how you must feel.
2: No, you don't. It's beyond even your fanciful imagination. If you had any sensitivity towards my feelings, you wouldn't have done what you did.
1: Alan, this isn't the place, and we don't have the time.
2: Oh, well, I don't know about you, but I've got plenty of time. I took the goddamn week off for my honeymoon. I have
1: to go and get dressed.
2: I brought a case. I take it somewhere in this rambling old pile there's a room for me. No,
1: no, you're not staying.
2: I damn well am staying. I didn't drive all that way through a blizzard to drive all the way back.
1: You're going. And you're taking my aunt with you. And what? Now, my aunt's not great at walking. You'll need to take her out to the car in a wheelchair, but let me get dressed and then I'll help you get her.
2: Oh, what what would the bloody hell am I? Rent a cab? I came here to tell you... I don't have the
1: time for that right now.
2: Christ almighty. Did you ever feel anything for me? What? I felt something for you. By God, I did. Jesus, what? watching you get dressed in the old oh, days was... Alan. By which, of course, I mean those days right up to but last Thursday. You know, the long-lost glory days when a, a fuckable angel seemed to float by my bedside. Alan, please. What, just please listen to me. You slaughtered me, you know. You butchered me on that altar. In front of everyone. Everyone. And I still don't know why. Do you just hate me that much? Oh, Alan, God love you. You don't know what slaughter means. Oh, excuse me if I sound a little excessive. I've been feeling excessive this last few days. When I look back a week, it's it's like a whole other life entirely. I was rather a happy person. Young, not too ugly, decent job, better salary, prospects. Oh, especially after I got myself engaged to the boss's daughter. Said daughter, the classiest squeeze I ever got hold of. I was a made man in the suburban mafia. The envy of every bastard who'd ever underrated me. The world was mine, like Scarface. Now, like Scarface, I'm face down in the fish pond and no one's quite managed to fish me out. They're just too busy giggling and gossiping about the fool, the the poor bastard made of himself over the runaway bride.
1: Yeah, well, the human condition's pretty tragic, Alan. Next time I bump into Aeschylus, I'll get him to pop over and you can cry on one another's shoulders. Meanwhile, I have other things on my plate.
2: Oh, I'll bet you do. You never had any real patience or interest where my feelings were concerned. Mr. Suburbia, that's what I am to you. No one of those arty-farty types you used to hang about with to shock your folks. How authentic can my pain be? What right have I got to demand understanding? I'm not one of the sensitive souls, I'm not some poetic dreamer who thinks she's a fourth Bronte sister. Oh, but can't actually put a word on paper, except when she's typing an invoice in the secretarial post, she so tragically had to lower herself to accepting.
1: We should never have got together in the first place, should we?
2: It didn't seem so wrong to me. Not at the time. I I thought I was being brought into contact with a whole other way of looking at the world. I think I even idolized you a little, which is never the brightest thing to do with another human being. And then you went and proved to me how very dumb that was.
1: Well, I'm glad the experience was of some educational value, at least. Now, if you don't mind.
2: Come back here! Madeline! Madeline! Stop! Stop! God damn it! Alan, I have to. What was it you saw in me, Madeline? There must have been some kind of attraction, or you wouldn't have led me so deep into this mess. What was it, Madeline? My ego could use the repair work. Alan, please! Did it... Oh, tell me it didn't just come down to convincing your family you were not completely crazy after that last half hour suicide attempt? Was that just a cover for how crazy you were? Where and are? You were an honest attempt at... At what?
1: Uh, at something. Something that... When it came right down to it wasn't for me. My final attempt at leading the life I was supposed to lead, at pleasing my family instead of hurting them. But, but the moment I stepped into that wedding dress, it was like I'd stepped into Suburbia's version of the Iron Maiden. I had to get out before the spikes dug too deep. Or I'm sorry if I spattered you with a little blood.
2: Oh, you did more than that. You humiliated me in front of everyone I've ever looked for for respect. I used to get such a buzz out of being seen with you. It made me feel ten feet tall. But I live and work and play in competitive circles. Circles in which there's no greater pleasure than seeing the front runner trip over his own two feet. And now he has. I can hear them cheering even from this far away.
1: Madeline! Madeline! And I can hear my aunt. Right now, she's what's important. Come with me. Please, my love.
2: Damn it!
0: Madeline, where were you? Where's Agnes?
1: I, I, I couldn't find her anywhere. Maybe she, I mean, maybe she headed down to the village to, to, to get a taxi. You know, on her own, in this weather. Well, I, I, don't know. I, the main thing is to get you.
2: You're not telling me the truth, are you? What's happened to her? Tell me. Listen. Uh, if, if I might button here, ladies, is this a minor catastrophe or a major crisis? What?
1: Oh, um, Aunt Mary, this is Alan. Alan? Yeah, the fella I didn't quite marry. <laughs> Nicely turned out, isn't he? What's he doing here?
2: I'm sorry for intruding on you like this. I will... well, well, basically, I came here... He's going
1: to... to take you away from here, in his car, now.
2: Now, wait a minute.
1: Is there anything you need packed? Oh, Agnes made up a case for me. She... Madeline, what's happened to her? Now, Alan, she can walk as she's helped. And there's the wheelchair there. Take her to my parents' house. Tell them, uh, What about you, Madeline? It's not me who's in danger here. Danger? That's right, Alan. There's danger here for her. She has to go
2: now. My car, it's... Where is it? Is it round the front? No, if you would just listen. It's half a mile back down the hill, stuck in a snowdrift. I had to walk here like bloody Nanook of the North. Why do you think I'm in such a cheerful mood?
1: Half a mile? Can we walk it with
2: her? Oh, yeah, sure. It's not like we're halfway up a mountain in a blizzard. Oh, hold on a minute.
1: We are. One way or another, she has to go.
2: Well, I don't know. Maybe if I can get a shovel or something, I can dig it out.
1: Well, there must be shovels somewhere. Is there, Aunt Mary? There's a shovel, yes, downstairs. But, but listen. No time, Aunt Mary, no time.
2: I could use a hand. What about the other guy? Other guy? Oh, God. Yeah, he was down in the greenhouse thingy that's stuck in the side of the house. (laughs) It's quite a cute garden, so you've got blossoming down there. I called through to him when I was trying to find the front door, and he pointed me in the right direction. I couldn't quite make him out clearly through all the condensation in the glass, but he looks like a strong enough fella. What is he? Is he the handyman? I'll I'll tell you what, I'll just go and catch up with him. No, wait! I thought we were at panic stations. You haven't told Alan, surely? Told me... About him.
0: About him and and you and... No.
1: No, I, I, I haven't.
2: What ought I to have been told? About him and you? Madeline? Come on. Three Mr Tall, dark and handsome, hiding away among the Petunias. What ought I to have been told? Well, maybe I'll just go and ask him myself. No, no, Alan, come back.
1: Alan. Alan, wait!
2: Where is it? The bloody greenhouse with pretensions. Is that the way in there? Across the bloody ballroom here, eh? Alan! (gasps) Lie there a while. I can find my own way from here. You bastard. Oh, what's worse? An honest slap or the kind of dishonesty I suspect has been going on here? Jesus fucking Christ. Is that what it comes down to? I thought you were having some grand existential crisis. Now I find out you've got a fancy man hidden oh, away. You don't understand. You don't begin to understand. Well, let me just have a word with the man himself. Then we'll really get things sorted out. No, Alan. Get off me. Get off me, or I'll-, I'll... Or you'll what?
1: Get back into the bad habit of dumping me around every time you can't understand me?
2: <laughs> if I hit you every time I failed to understand you, you'd be dead and I'd be in with a shot at the middleweight title.
1: I can only be hit so many times, Alan, before I say no more. Then why do you keep forcing me into it? Well, that's down to your own craziness, Alan, not mine. I just want... What, Alan?
2: Respect.
1: I respect you when you let me, Alan. When you're not slapping it out of me or trying to crush my respect for myself.
2: You think I give a shit for your respect by this stage in the game? I'm talking about the respect of the people who matter to me. My family, my mates, my customers. I'm not my...
1: forgetting the folks at the golf club.
2: I value their respect more than yours. They never betrayed me like you did.
1: Alan, i come back. Don't go in there.
2: Oh, what is that stink? But Alan, where did your fancy man pick up his gardening tips? The Salvador Dali Guide to Horticulture. Look,
1: look, Alan. If it's the respect of everyone back home you're concerned about, then the sooner you get back there with my aunt in the passenger seat, then the sooner you...
2: Win back the respect. It's beyond rescue. I could drag you back to that church by the scruff of the neck, shove you across the altar and make you kiss my ass, and it still wouldn't make a difference. I was a well thought of man before you reduced me to that pathetic wee dick who got jilted at the altar. And now, when the gossip gets around, I'm going to be the bastard jilted because her ladyship had bloody mellers the gardener hiding in the shrubberies. At least, if I can lay one on him, I'll be able to laugh along with him. Where are you? Come on, Heathcliff. Time for a damn good thrashing. What is that? What's what? Over there. Wound around all the wickerwork. That's not a plant. What the hell is that?
1: Alan. Alan, get back! Get out of
2: here! Get your cheating hands off me!
1: <sighs> Bastard.
2: Well, do me a favour and stop asking for it. It's hard on my knuckles. Now, let's see what the hell this... Alan! Is. Oh, jeez. This is sticky. All this red... Alan, please. Please go. Wait a minute. Alan. Shut up. This... this isn't... What the hell have you been getting up to here? Look, look, a, sh- a shoe, some old. Oh God. What's that in it? Madeline, answer me. I, I can't tell you, Alan. Tell me now. What the hell's be? Oh God, what is that? There's something dripping, Alan, dripping from up there, up in that tree. That's blood, isn't it? Alan, come on. Get your hands off me. There's, there's something up there. What is that? An animal, Alan. Oh, Jesus. It's... Me!
4: Oh. Pardon the informal introduction, but I'm an informal fellow, as the lovely Madeline will tell you. Jeez. Jesus! Jesus! He, he's got a knife! A knife! Uh, 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 and a will to use it to naughty little boys who speak coarsely to fellow's ladies' love.
2: Ah! Ah! Get off me! Get off! Get off! On oh. you
4: go, little bug. Crawl away as far as you can. It won't be terribly far. Yeah, Madeline, the knife.
1: But what the hell do I want with it?
4: I couldn't help but see this discourtesy this he showed you. That sort of thing ought to be stamped out, surely, as bugs are stamped out.
2: Jesus, but I, Madeline, what, what did he do to my eye? Oh. Alan, get out. What? What, take this bastard's abuse and leave you to go on with whatever the fuck perversion you've been getting up to here? Fuck that. And you, you bastard. The first thing I'm doing is getting myself a fistful of your blood. No, Alan, no. Jesus, you what taking his side against me? can you see what this crazy bastard did to me? How deep has he plugged himself into your unfaithful ass? Alan, go. Touch course, isn't he? A little,
1: sometimes.
4: I thought it's was worth wasting any more sometimes on
2: surely? You shut your
4: goddamn mouth! If I were you, I'd cut him out of my life here and now. What? The knife.
2: Here. Take it. Give it to me, Madeline. This lunatic's leaving here in the back of a police car.
1: It's not as simple
2: as that, Alan. Simple? You think maybe because you're mixed up in, in this, I'm going to turn a, pardon the expression, but a blind, bloody eye? You know how simple it would be, Madeline. A little thrust, a little blood, and then he's gone. Like a bad dream. Bad dream? Maybe you're as crazy as he is. Maybe you're mired as deep in whatever mess is going on in here. Maybe you deserve to go down for it just as much as he does. Remember all I told you about good dreams and bad, and the power and freedom
4: of living a dream here with me? What's this bug but the dullest reality? Cut
2: him down. Maybe this is my shot at revenge on both of you. Alan. Give me that god. There you go, Alan. (gasps) You
1: You have it now.
4: Madeline, you... Twist it a little. Shut him up. There. Pull it out. You'll bleed faster that way.
1: Sorry, Alan. (gasps) You...
2: You can't do this. You can't do... Look at me. Gee. Stay my suit. Jesus. The blood. It won't stop.
4: Oh, it won't stop soon enough. The knife, please, Madeline.
2: What?
4: Thank you. What if I. What if. What if I You've justified my faith in you.
2: You have to help me. I I need an ambulance. I I need you to. I need you to keep this bastard away from me. Alas, young
4: fellow, I'm bastard enough to be inescapable. Now, Madeline, before you forget entirely that he ever existed, perhaps there's some little souvenir you'd like to take?
2: Madeline, please. Please don't let him. Madeline, please.
4: Trousers down, young fellow. What?
2: No, no. Madeline. Please, Madeline, if you ever... Madeline. Madeline! Quiet! Quiet! Shut up and die! Die!
1: Die!
4: Command, my lady, and it shall be done.
1: What? What have you done to him?
4: Only finished him off. The crucial thrust was yours and yours alone.
1: You you made me do it.
4: You made yourself do it. So I could have it been anything other than the right thing to do. Here, my queen, your trophy.
1: Get away from me!
4: We could put a thread through it, hang around your neck. It's proof of your virility.
1: Get that thing away!
4: We all have darkness in our hearts. Just a question of whether or not circumstance and character allow it to bud and bloom. I must say, the darkness in your heart didn't need much tending. My, what a fortuitous match this is.
1: Get away! You, you bloody thing! What, what, what bloody thing am I?
4: Where are you running to, Madeline? You belong here now, as surely as I. You've laid down the roots in your lover's tattered flesh.
0: Madeline?
1: Madeline? Who is he? Who is he? Madeline! The blood! The blood! Oh, yeah, it's his. His? Alan's! Oh, Jesus! 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 No, I have to know who he is now. No, I have to know what he's doing here, because he has to be destroyed tonight. Now you have to tell me the truth. Come on, please,
0: Aunt Mary, the truth. No, I have to hear it. His name is Paul. He is my brother. What? Brother? Yes. And therefore, brother to your own grandmother. She was the eldest of the three of us, and the first to leave home. I was the youngest baby of the family, and so, secluded out here, it was in the company of Paul that my childhood was spent. And I did love him, going with him wherever he would lead me. We made the glass house our playground. It was different in those days, lush, filled with colour and life. We would sneak in when the old gardener was gone, And Paul would transform it into anything he had a mind to. He was a magician, you see. He had imagination. Sometimes his games were a little beyond the pale. But then we were growing children, curious. And no one was ever more curious than Paul, especially about aspects of life traditionally kept secret from children. I see. But don't misunderstand me, Madeline. He didn't hurt me or force me. Oh, no? No, not really. Not at that point. As I say, I loved him. And I think, in the core of my heart, I was as curious as him. So why
1: should such a lovable boy turn into such a bastard of a ghost? You have to let me
0: tell you the whole story there came a day when he was too old to be tutored at home. So off he went to school, and then university, and then to war, to be a man. At first, he wrote the usual obligatory notes home, but these grew fewer and fewer, and then stopped altogether. Shortly before, he was reported as missing and presumed dead. The war itself came and went, millions butchered or grieving, but leaving us here with only uncertainty. Within a very few years, my father died. My mother, sickly with an ailment not dissimilar to my own. Agnes, the only true company I was left with until... Until... Until the night my mother died. It was a winter night like this one. In my blind sorrow, I wandered, for no particular reason, down into the glass house, which had begun its descent into disrepair. He was there, waiting for me by the open door at the far end, his shadow staining the whiteness of the snow that had blown in across the floor. Was he alive, or...? Oh, yes, very much alive. Yet... Hardly the same. Different how? Something in him had grown savage, feral, wolfish, battle-scarred. Something that stared out at me with hungry eyes. So what happened to him? I never found out. He spoke only in mysteries and innuendos, of wandering beneath skies of fire, wading seas of blood, navigating landscapes of corpses. He talked of seeing the darkness in men's hearts shining before him like the light of God, guiding him onwards. He told me once he had sold his soul to the devil in some bombed out church they were using as a brothel for female prisoners. But whether he was speaking literally, metaphorically or merely teasingly, it's impossible to say. I'm acquainted with his sense of humor. Our secret games began again. But their nature, like his, had changed. If before they had been unorthodox, now they became brutal, sadistic, and my participation more a matter of fear and physical intimidation than my own free will. Didn't you tell someone? Someone in the house. There was only the two of us, plus Agnes and a maid. What good could they have done? Upon his return, Paul had seized control of the house like an invading tyrant. I had no doubt that for them to defy his will would have meant death, or worse. You could have gone outside for help, to the village, the police. Perhaps. But perhaps I felt I deserved my various punishments. What? After all, I had consented to his games in the first place. If that was a sin on my part... Then perhaps the direction those games subsequently took was a fit penance. bullshit. We're of different generations, Madeline. Well, what's that got to do with it? I was raised to think there was a code. And if you transgressed from that code, you deserved whatever you got. Well, what kind of code is that? A charter for sadists and rapists? I was raised to believe it was God's code. Perhaps God himself is something of a sadist. Then even his hand ought to be slapped away. It was a circumstance far less metaphysical that came to my rescue. Oh, yeah? I fell pregnant. The shock seemed to bring Paul to his moral senses. He left that same night, and that was the last we heard of him until the next winter. On the night my baby was born... We had kept it a secret. Agnes and I, for all the obvious reasons, it was she who delivered the baby. A girl, a perfect little girl. I must have held her for hours, weeping with the thought of the good that can come from evil. Afterwards, I slept, and my baby slept beside me. When I woke, I found Paul, standing over us.
1: Paul?
4: May I... May I, um, hold it?
0: Her, Paul? She's a little girl.
4: May I... hold her? You won't. Isn't she mine? My child.
0: Beautiful, isn't she?
4: Beautiful. Oh, yes. Very much so.
0: Life can be beautiful, Paul. If you let it.
4: Yes, it can. Can't it? For the odd stray moment here and there.
0: For more than that, Paul.
4: You haven't been where I've been. You think me a monster, don't you?
0: No, Paul.
4: But I'm not. All I am is what life is. Nothing more. And nothing less.
0: Paul! And then he broke our baby's neck. He dragged me. Screaming, out of the room and all the way down into the glass house, throwing me onto the cold earth where the withered orchid stood, and then penetrating me like a blade of ice.
4: Here's beauty, Mary! All the beauty there is! All the beauty that lasts, burning through you!
3: Enough! Agnes! Enough
4: I said! Leave her! Leave her! Leave her alone! And what in the name of all that's high and holy is a virgin kitchen maid going to? This!
0: Agnes had driven a kitchen knife into the back of his neck.
4: Bitch! Nasty little virgin bitch! Get away from her, Paul! Not until I've... N- not until I've... No! Get, Get off me. me! Agnes! I
0: grabbed an old spade, battered it against his skull. He turned my way I smashed it across his handsome face again and again Until his legs gave way I stood over him Bludgeoning him until the spade's metal buckled And his writhings dwindled into the spasms of a dying animal
3: That's enough That'll do Mary, that's it Now we just need to get rid of him What? Bury him we need to bury him, where no one will ever. Here.
0: Here. The orchid bed. We dug away the orchids, dug a pit beneath, started to drag his body towards it. And it was then that I felt his hand creep up my arm.
3: Agnes! <coughs> Agnes!
0: He grabbed hold of me and his eyes, his beautiful, deep, dark eyes, glared from the bloody mess of his face. With his free hand, he snatched up one of the withered orchids. It swelled into full bloom.
4: Here! A present! No! The spade! Agnes! The spade! From a lover who will never forget you!
0: Here! (laughs) The orchid blossomed into flame, burnt away to nothing. And he was dead. So we buried him and sealed up the glass house. My baby, we buried in the woods, under the snow marking her grave with a little cross made from two branches. You must have passed it a hundred times without noticing it. No. No, I, I don't think I ever have noticed. But it's deep inside me that she's truly buried. I still have an ache where my baby used to be. It was in the heart of that ache that my cancer started to grow. Like an orchid. Stay here.
1: What are you going to do? What needs doing? I know what that is now. I think I do. But lock yourself in. One thing in our favour is I haven't yet seen him leave the glass house, which means the risk of the head may be more mine than yours. Which is the way I want it. Lock this door.
0: Oh, Madeline. I couldn't destroy him. How can you?
3: No.
4: There you are. I've been missing you down below. Thought I'd pop upstairs and check that old cripple wasn't making too many demands of your time. She told me who you are. Oh, please don't call me great uncle. I'll take the romance out of a relationship completely. She told
1: me what you did.
4: She doesn't know the half of it. i am sure the real horrors with you if you cuddle up close.
1: You'll have to catch me first.
4: Hide and seek, is it? What locks? Ready or not, here I come.
1: Mary, if Madeline let me in. Madeline! Yes, quick, open up. Madeline, what's wrong? (laughs) What do you think? No. Yes, but we can turn this to our advantage. Your window here. I can get down from here onto the kitchen roof, from there up onto the glasshouse roof, get through one of those holes in the glass panelling. You'll break your neck. Right now, it seems a risk worth taking. Here's the risk you have to take. Keep him distracted, but keep yourself alive. I I just need time to... I have to go. Close this window after me. Madeline! Close it!
4: <laughs> oh, no! Where is she? Paul! I know you're here. Not the wardrobe, surely, you little coquette. No, no. Don't go in the bathroom. And here? Paul Where's she hiding?
0: Am I worth a moment of your detention?
4: Once upon a time, to be sure, I'm worth far more than a moment. But now now look at you. Paul What are you compared to her your weather owned Madeline? I'm entitled to feel
0: a little jealous, surely. What? Here we are, reunited after all these years. And your only thought is of your latest conquest.
4: All these decades we've been locked up in this house together. When did you ever pop down to the glass house to see me? I was beginning to feel unloved. Can I be blamed for taking advantage of her grandniece crossing its threshold? Especially when she's so game to spread her legs for a lonely ghost. I won't
0: hear you talk about her like that.
4: I'd question whether you have an alternative.
0: I won't be intimidated by you, Paul.
4: You always were in the past. I'm sure the magic could be made to work again, baby sister. But you'll have to wait your turn.
0: I won't be treated as second best, Paul. No one's not entitled to the good and bad in you than me.
4: True, true. And do understand, what I'm up to with the Geralt is a game. No more, however rough. What I have in mind for you is something grander, the grandest of vengeances.
0: After all you did to me, you
4: think you're entitled to revenge. I demand it. You killed me, you rancid, cancerous bitch! Consigned me to limbo, sealed me away in that wreck of a glasshouse, left me a shadow on the floor. I would have been trapped down there forever. forever.
0: Still less of a damnation than you deserved,
4: Paul. Deserved? Deserved? Who were you and a virgin kitchen maid to pass judgment on the hot life within me? Well, now the fire burns free again, and how I'll make you suffer?
0: I've suffered all these years, Paul, and now I'm dying. I won't last the length of this winter. The worst you can do is hasten the inevitable.
4: No, no. The worst I can do is keep you alive. I won't let you die. I'll ravage you within an inch of your life, but not an inch further. Every time, I'll nurse you back from the brink, keep you going until our next bout. You'll last for years yet. And every moment of every day of every year will be spent in agony of one kind or another. This will, of course, be as nothing to what you made me suffer. But it'll be vengeance enough. One well, oughtn't to be too pedantic about these things. You killed my baby. I killed my baby. You ought to thank me for spitting it all the pain that laid ahead. That was the trouble with you, Paul.
0: Imagining all the rest of us shared your conviction of the rottenness of life, and then, just to be sure, imposing that horror on us by force.
4: If you knew the agonies I went through.
0: Ah, you never let us know, Paul. Not honestly. As if you feared we'd hold you in less awe if you admitted a weakness, a fear, a vulnerability of your own. All these years, I've wondered if there wasn't somewhere... A moment when I could have reached to all that was tender and wounded within you, wherever you'd hidden it, embracing it, healing you, rescuing you from the absolute horror you finally became. You
4: flatter yourself, Mary. Where in your cosy spinster life-lady experience that might have helped me?
0: I loved you, Paul. You squandered the gift and impoverished yourself. Shut up. Look at you. You think you are the greatest of some things. But a nothing's what you are. A blankness sucking down everything it comes into contact with, but with no existence of its own.
4: I told you to be quiet. You're not even here, Paul. Not really. Quiet, I said. Now, where's the girl? You
0: passed from this world long ago. You're just too vain to acknowledge the fact. I
4: told you. Don't
0: you understand, Paul? You're dead. No. I I shan't last very long. If that's how you... You intend to treat me.
4: Sometimes I think you want to be hurt.
0: I wanted to be loved, Paul. I once thought you had it in you to give me that love.
4: A tragedy, isn't
0: it? It is. Yes.
4: I, what's that?
0: W- what's what, Paul?
4: That's that sound in, in my head—that they, they, they get on. Where is, where is? she? Where is she? Tell me.
0: I, I don't know, Paul.
4: Oh my! Oh my God! Oh God! You told her everything, so I. I'm betrayed all over again, am I? Not this time. You're coming with me. To the glass house!
1: Ah. Your story, of course, was true, Aunt Mary. For there, in the earth beneath the orchid bed, I found him. His worldly remains, at least. A mouldy skeleton with a cracked skull, dressed in rags vaguely resembling the clothes I had seen Paul wearing. Ugh. Oh, up you come, you. Oh, you rancid, rotten old. Madeline? Oh! Let her go! Oh,
4: certainly.
1: Oh, oh, oh. Aunt Mary!
4: Madeline! My, we have been a busy girl, haven't we?
1: Busy enough. You evil bastard.
4: Well, I never pretended to be anything else. But until now you never seem to mind. Well
1: I mind now. What have you done to her?
4: Speed her up nature's process a little. She's dying. She'll
1: pay for this.
4: I'm surprised you want me to. I'm surprised you don't want me to. <gasps> massacre the own cow here and now. After all. With her gone, we'll have the whole place to ourselves, won't we? God rot you. Don't pretend you wouldn't enjoy it. Two of us locked away in our own little love oh, nest. I'll
1: rot you into shit. Like
4: man and wife. Oh, get away from me. Till death to us part. And confidentially, we might even find a way around that you're one. You're
1: going to die, you bastard.
4: Oh, you're dainty hand, I don't think. Yes,
1: at my dainty hand, you murderous son of a bitch. Oh,
4: come, I won't go throwing that particular stone in this particular glass house. After all, I've only taken an eye for an eye, a tooth for a... Tooth? Oh! Leave her! On the other hand, look at Mr. Sabub, are there. What harm did he ever do to anyone? Apart from being generally tiresome, yet you're the one who murdered him.
1: I hate you.
4: Oh, that's all right. I'm not offended. It's not as if I'm a particularly sentimental fellow. The most I ask is there's some kind of bond between us, some fume for the fire. Hate, I assure you, will be fuel enough.
0: You really are beyond redemption, aren't you?
4: I don't want your stinking sentimental redemption.
0: Then rot in your private hell, Paul, and leave us be!
4: Get off me! Aunt
0: Mary! Get out, Madeline! Get away!
4: No, not without you! Get off me, you ancient bag of bones! I won't see you thwart me a second time. Ah! Now lie there and die! No, no, Aunt Mary! You two, get back! Get up, Mary! You stoke my anger against you, not satisfied. Get up, I said. She... my God, she... Shut up, Mary. You've killed her. No, no, she... Uh, no. You're not to away that easy, sister sweet. Get up, Mary.
1: No, you've killed her, which makes this next bit much easier. Makes it feel like simple justice. What are you doing? Just picking up this old spade. Is it the same one that killed you all those years ago? Looks a little dented, reddened. That would really make the justice poetic. Seeing as how I'm lifting it now above these bones you left buried in the orchid bed.
4: Put that thing down, Madeline, but please.
1: Certainly I'll put it down. What about right through this skeleton's hand? No. <laughs> oh, my hand? My, my hand? Oh, what hand? You bitch. Just as I thought. These old bones here, they're you destroy them bit by bit. Ah! And I destroy your up-and-kicking self simultaneously, don't I? Sympathetic magic, I think it's called. Except I'm all out of sympathy. Let's try a leg, shall we?
4: No. You can't do this. But
1: I'm doing it right
4: now, aren't I? No, no, uh, listen to me, listen to me. Oh. I'm all you have left you. You've walked out on or destroyed everything else.
1: That's what I thought too. But now it comes right down to it, I find there's just enough of the good stuff left in me to put you where you belong.
4: Madeline,
1: please. Is that pretty, please? You don't look so pretty all of a sudden.
4: Is it? Don't, don't end it like this, They're together we kid My end.
1: decision is made. Uh, uh,
4: uh. I won't tolerate this.
1: You're saying the matter is over and done
4: with. No, no, I. I'm not. I will not.
1: Die. Need I point out you're dead already?
4: Me, me. Very tender. I see.
1: You never saw you. You were dead all along. And dead he certainly was. A mess of fragments, a match for the shattered skeleton at mown feet. And as he died, the blood he had shed turned into scarlet petals, like those of a rose or an orchid, the fragments of his bone and flesh into clods of damp earth chunks of rusted wrought iron, and then those too turned to dust, every reborn plant in the glasshouse doing likewise. By the time I'd hurried across to you, Aunt Mary, confirming that you were indeed dead, the whole place was back to its old, dusty, derelict self, yours truly the only living thing within it, other than, obviously, my love for you. And on the basis of that love, I sought out the tiny cross marking the grave of the child you buried all those years ago. It wasn't so hard to find when I knew what I was looking for. (sighs) So there you lie, Aunt Mary, right next to her. Two tiny crosses in the snowy forest. Me, well, well I've got a little way to go yet. And where, (laughs) how do I know? Where do you go, Aunt Mary, when there's no place for you in heaven or hell? (laughs) Maybe I'll just wander off through the snow. This way. See where I wind up? So long as I watch for the edge of the cliff, I ought to be okay. It's a beautiful morning and... God help me, I... I feel very alive. So alive it hurts.
0: You have been listening to Night of the Orchid, written by Marty Ross. The characters were played by the following actors Madeline Lochran by Rebecca Hamilton, Aunt Mary by Leslie Stone, Miss Kite by Valerie Gogan, Paul by Peter Hanna, and Alan Archer by Kevin Devine It was engineered by Carlos Ziccarelli and Rowan Onret and recorded at the Unity Studios London Editing and sound design by Malcolm Thorpe Broadcasting assistant Ruth James Assistant producer Paul Blinkhorn Night of the Orchid was directed by Paul Blinkhorn and produced by Jack Bowman for The Wireless Theatre Company, London. Please visit wirelesstheatre.co.uk for more audio downloads.